You are listening to the Today I Found Out podcast, where each weekday we provide an interesting story that is going to feed your brain. You can read more great articles like this by going to todayifoundout.com. Hello and welcome to a landmark episode for the Today I Found Out Daily Knowledge Podcast. It's episode number 300. And in the episode today, it's another one of our Christmas specials. We're looking at what illness exactly did Tiny Tim have in the book A Christmas Carol? Because it's never revealed in the book. And since then, scientists have tried to work out what is what is the disease that Tim has. And in the bonus facts section, we're going to learn about some other common diseases that afflicted children of that era. Let's just get started with today's show. In the well-loved A Christmas Carol, it has never been out of print since it was first published in 1843, the protagonist, so to speak, is Ebenezer Scrooge, the miserly boss of Bob Cratchit, who lives with his family in poverty while Scrooge enjoys an easy life. One member of the Cratchit family, Tiny Tim, struggles with a crutch and has iron bars on his legs, but the name of his illness is not given. As the story progresses, Scrooge is visited by four ghosts who show him the error of his miserly ways. During the last of these visitations, the ghost of Christmas yet to come shows Scrooge, among other things, that Tiny Tim has died of his ailments. Ultimately, however, Scrooge repents and becomes more generous with the Cratchit family. In the new timeline, Scrooge's altruism transforms him into a second father to Tiny Tim, who survives. This all makes one wonder what possible deadly 19th century malady could be alleviated by throwing money at it, given the medical science of the age. Different scholars have suggested a variety of ailments, including cerebral palsy, tuberculosis, nutritional deficiency, rickets, spine injury, polio, and renal tubercular acidosis. The latter is a good candidate since it can have a deleterious effect on a skeleton, yet be easily reversed by treatments with alkaline salts. Ricketts, a bone disorder, is also a popular candidate among historians, as 60% of London's children at the time, between 1820 and 1843, had the disease. Although we know today Ricketts is caused by a vitamin D deficiency, at the time there was only speculation as to the disease's cause. Likewise, TB is also a popular suggestion for the culprit, as nearly 50% of those London children also had symptoms of a tuberculosis infection. Although not a cure, the symptoms of TB can be greatly alleviated by strengthening the immune system. Each of these disorders, given circumstances of poor nutrition and hygiene, could have led to Tim's death. This brings us to a study published in the Journal of the American Medical Association Pediatrics in 2012. Dr. Russell W. Chesney's Environmental Factors in Tiny Tim's Near-Fatal Illness. In it, Dr. Chesney seems to solve the riddle and begins with an examination of the lives of the poor in London during the first half of the 19th century. In the worst parts of London, the poor lived in filthy, crowded conditions shaded by soot-filled skies, the latter caused by the burning of coal which put sulphur and other particles between the sun and London's inhabitants absorbed most of the UVA and UVB rays. While this saved them from sunburns, it had detrimental effect to other parts of their health. Pertinent here is that UVB absorption by the skin is key to vitamin D synthesis in humans. So, most Londoners' only way to get vitamin D was diet. For the poor, the foods naturally high in vitamin D, like fish, certain fats, liver, milk, or eggs, were out of reach. Thus, the poor children of London were highly susceptible to rickets, such that it was termed the English disease. The Cratchit children would certainly have been included within this group, as the family was forced to live on Bob's meagre 15 shillings a week, enough to buy only four loaves of bread, as well as whatever Sister Martha earned as a milliner's hatmaker's apprentice. 
Adding insult to injury, the children with rickets were more susceptible to respiratory diseases like pneumonia and TB. Thus, Chesney concludes that Tim had both diseases. So how would money solve all of this? By simply adding dairy and fish, and more calories to Tim's diet, Scrooge's newfound generosity would have provided sufficient vitamin D to cure the rickets and boost Tim's immune system. In addition, if that generosity included trips to the country, the fresh air and extra sunshine would have helped as well. So then, did Dickens know this, or is it just modern science coming up with something that Dickens didn't put much thought into, simply needing a plot element? As noted before, although the cause of rickets wasn't known when A Christmas Carol was written, there is evidence that Dickens and others believed that nutritional deficiencies and unhealthy living played a part. For instance, on the 24th of June, 1865, Dickens wrote, One of the worst forms of scrofula, ratchetism, or rickets, arises under the influence of chilly dwellings and insufficient alimentation, nourishment, and milk deprivation in infants. And now for today's bonus facts. The discovery of the cause of rickets coincided with increased understanding of vitamins, particularly A and D. In 1919, Edward Mellonby, after conducting experiments with various diets on puppies, poor dogs, discovered a link between lack of either fat-soluble A or something pretty similar. That similar factor, vitamin D, was discovered by Elmer McCollum and Marguerite Davis in 1921. Bonus Fact 2 Tuberculosis, formerly called consumption, is an infectious disease caused, usually, by mycobacterium tuberculosis. Like other bacterial infections, it is sometimes treated with antibiotics, although they are not always successful due to the unique structure of the mycobacteria. Further, in recent years, two forms of antibiotic-resistant TB have emerged, multidrug-resistant TB, MDR-TB, and extensively drug-resistant TB, XDR-TB. With MDR-TB, the bacteria are resistant to both of the most common anti-TB drugs, isoniazid and rifampicin, but may still be susceptible to other well-known and effective antibiotics. With XDR-TB, the bacteria are resistant to both of the common treatments. All of the fluoroquinolones, strong antibiotics like Cipro and Avalox, as well as a number of other antibiotics like amikacin and sapriomycin, in fact, in 15 Iranian patients infected with XDR-TB in 2009, the bacteria were found to be resistant to every anti-TB drug tried. You just listened to an episode of the Today I Found Out daily podcast. Tune in every weekday for another great episode, or find more articles at todayifoundout.com.